Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. According to like a McKinsey report, companies in the top quartile of executive level gender diversity are 25% more likely to have higher financial returns than their industry peers. And also companies in the top quartile of uh, racial and ethnic diversity are 35% more likely to have financial returns above their respective industry peers. So obviously, the proof is there that diversity increases revenue in the business, it increases performance. That was Liz Pratt, co-founder and COO of Capitalize, and she is my special guest this week on episode 213. And as my loyal listeners know, this is Diversity Inclusion Month for the Leaders in Payments podcast. And I can't think of a better guest to kick us off than Liz, who is a Forbes 30 Under 30 recipient and UK FinTech Diversity and Inclusion nominee. Capitalize is a fintech consultancy that specializes in helping medium to high-risk companies obtain payments and banking solutions. Liz will be the first to say that her initial experience in finance found her in a company where she was the only ethnic woman out of a group of 50, the rest being white men. This experience in and of itself motivated her to create a company with diversity and inclusion as part of their DNA. Liz and I go on to talk about the necessities around diversity and inclusion as it relates to the success of the overall company, how she wove it into the foundation of her company, and why she believes you only achieve true success when you're able to help others achieve theirs too. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Liz. Welcome to this special series of the Leaders in Payments podcast about diversity and inclusion. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, let's start off by having you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Yeah, sure. So I grew up in various different places, uh, moved around quite a lot, actually. So lived in London, lived in Spain, and also Thailand. So my schooling was pretty, well, to be honest, I wasn't the biggest fan of school. And I, yeah, because of moving around a lot, it was an interesting upbringing, I would say. I currently live in Lisbon in Portugal. And because of my upbringing, I love to travel all the time. I'm always going away. I travel a lot back into London and I just try and get away as much as possible, which is also one of the reasons why I set up my business, actually. So we're fully remote. And I strive to create that culture where everyone can work from wherever they want to be and they can travel wherever they want to be. So we have a a work from anywhere policy, basically. So, yeah, I actually didn't have the most traditional route into finance. I finished school when I was 16 and then went into college and started studying sports science. And also at 16, I launched my first business. So I've always been pretty entrepreneurial since a young age. And uh, yeah, I launched my first business where I was selling 
jewelry in Camden Market. And I don't know if those of you that don't know Camden Market, it's a very famous market in London. So I was selling there. And yeah, kind of like a bit lost for a few years. And then as soon as I landed when I was 18, I actually started like an internship in finance and then worked my way into an entry level position as a broker, as a foreign exchange broker. So yeah, since then, that's how my journey began. I worked my way up through the ranks as an entry-level broker. And then at 22, I decided to quit my job, funnily enough, and go traveling. I went traveling around Asia for four months. And yeah, that's when I had an epiphany moment of what I actually wanted to do with my life. And that was to have the freedom to work from wherever I wanted and also instill that onto my team as well. So yeah, freedom is a big thing for me in life. And that's, I guess, one of my definitions of success, having the financial freedom to go wherever you want and also like to be able to do whatever you want as well. So yeah, at 23 is when I launched Catalyze. And that's, yeah, so as soon as I got back to London from traveling, I went back into a full-time job. And then obviously I was building Catalyze. And yeah, we launched it. It was very tough at the beginning, not going to lie. I mean, I was very young, (laughs) as you can imagine. And I guess because I was so young, I was a bit, it's always good to be a bit naive, right? You have to take risks in life. So yeah, I was a bit naive, naive to think that I could grow a business. But hey, naivety does pay off because I've been running it for four years now. Yeah, that's a good segue into talking about the company. So tell our audience what Capitalize does. Yeah, sure. So Capitalize is a fintech consultancy, and we're specialized in helping medium to high risk industries to obtain payments and banking solutions. So I came up with this idea, me and my business partner, when we was working in the city of London, we're both working in uh, foreign exchange brokerages. And we discovered that there was a gap in the market to serve the underserviced industries. And these are typically your gaming clients, crypto, CBD, I suppose the newer industries, right? Like the the digital-based businesses, like investment platforms. Banks typically prefer not to work with those companies. So they tend to use alternative payment solutions. And even then, they're considered high risk or medium risk. So they do tend to struggle which is where we discovered there was a gap in the market because when I was in the city, a lot of the companies, well, the company that I was working at, they didn't want to work with those either. So I was like, okay, hang on. There's obviously a gap there. And I just discovered a way that I could help them. So we have a global network of over 50 global banks and financial institutions across the world. And what we do is match these companies up with providers best suited to their needs So yeah, we'll just match them up with the providers best suited their needs. And I mean, since then, our business has grown from strength to strength. We've been running the business for four years now. We're actually a seven-figure business as well, which is exciting for me to say because I learned last year that less than 2% of female founders ever break the 1 million in revenue mark. So that's, for me, obviously, that's a pretty cool thing to say. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. So yeah, since then, the business has gone from strength to strength. We're a rapidly growing team and we're going to be hiring even more people in the coming months. Actually, I had a really a pinch me moment back in 2021 where I made it onto the Forbes 30 under 30 finance list. And uh, obviously that was like, a, I had to actually slap myself a few times because I thought I was dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> and then last year, I made it onto the Tech Round 29 under 29 list as well. 
And as of recently, which is quite funny because we're doing the podcast today, I found out yesterday that we've been shortlisted into the UK FinTech Awards for the category of diversity and inclusion. So I guess perfect timing for the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about diversity at your company. Can you talk a little bit about the culture you're trying to build there and what, why is diversity sort of so important to you and, and what programs or what things do you have going on at your company that you have around diversity? Obviously, you talked about the, the remote, but that's a cultural thing. Are there other diversity related things that you've kind of built a culture around? Yeah. So I've created a entry level scheme to help underrepresented ethnic minority women enter and break into the fintech industry. So this scheme that has enabled, we have like uh, quite a few women from different backgrounds, like from Brazil, from Syria, from Bulgaria. So we're very conscious on creating a lot of diversity and not making it just one culture. So at our company, we believe in fostering an environment of inclusion for everyone. We strive to create a culture of respect and collaboration where diversity is not only welcome, but also celebrated. And we're also really committed on creating an open and supportive workplace. So regardless of your gender, your race, your age, religion, ethnicity, we want to welcome everyone because what we've noticed is and studies show that people with more diverse teams actually outperform those with least diverse teams. So in order to create a successful business, it's in our interest to have a a diverse team, right? You get different opinions from different people. People from different cultural backgrounds will give their, their thoughts on how we can scale or how we can make the business better. So yeah, I mean, we value and recognize these unique perspectives and, and backgrounds and talents of every individual. So we're very committed on creating this inclusive culture where everyone feels valued and celebrated. And also, we want to make sure that we're having a good working environment for everyone. And this is also one of the reasons why I strive to create this environment. Because when I started working in the city, I was literally the only woman out of a team of 50 men, 50 white men. (laughs) And I was the only young woman from like an ethnic minority background, because I'm also Asian. And obviously for me that I felt quite out of place. And I was also told that women didn't belong in the industry and just some horrible comments like that. So I always said to myself that when I set up my business, it's not going to be like that at all. It's going to be welcoming. It's going to be a nice environment where people can actually enjoy working. So yeah, that's one of the reasons why I strive to make it this kind of environment for everyone. Okay. One of the big topics that you hear and read about today is neurodiversity. So is that part of your culture as well? Yeah. So we do have some people here from neurodiverse backgrounds, including myself, actually. I suffer from ADHD. And I have a, another lady that has ADHD and another lady with epilepsy. So we're very understanding of these backgrounds. We strive to make an environment where, I don't know, if they need to go to the hospital, if they're having problems, and they can come to us. And we're very understanding on that side. It's something that I'm looking more into and wanting to strive to make sure that we're covering all aspects of that area. Um, but yeah, I would say, I mean, that still falls under diversity for me. So regardless if they have any neurodiversity issues, we want to cater to them and help them as much as possible on that. We do actually also offer 
mental health benefits. So if they need to see a coach or a therapy, we also subsidize that to help with these types of issues. Or if they're suffering from, I don't know, like mental health issues like depression or anxiety or anything like that, then they can use that to help with their issues that they're facing. Okay. Okay. Well, who or what motivated you the most to think about diversity at your company? It sounds like you created a company with this in mind, right? You didn't just create a company and then think about diversity. It was at the onset of of building the company. So what was it or who was it that really motivated you to think that way? So yeah, it was mainly from my experience of the industry and my experience of working in like the finance industry because typically the industry is very white and male dominated, well, white male dom- dominated. And I often felt like when I was working in the city of London, I often felt like the odd one out due to being a woman and also of Asian heritage. So yeah, when I set up my business, I always said my goal was to create an inclusive environment for all people, no matter of their gender or race or background or age. And I wanted to ensure that everyone feels welcomed in a business and has the opportunities, support and resources to thrive in their career. And I always get ideas from different people. Um, I read a lot about why diversity matters in business. But yeah, for me, it's coming from my own personal experience and not wanting anyone else to go through that and and to feel like they don't belong because that's people need to feel like they belong to actually to feel good and to be able to thrive in an environment, right? To be able to perform their best, they need to feel like they belong somewhere. So this is why I wanted to create it at my business. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned that traditionally the payments or fintech industry has been pretty male and white dominated. How do you think we're doing now? Do you think we're getting better? Second part of the question, what could we be doing or what more needs to be done for us to get more diverse? So yeah, traditionally it has been. So the payments and fintech industry has made some progress in obviously creating diversity. There's a lot that's happened within the last few years and a lot of people shouting out about this, raising awareness, which is really nice to see. And also like the fact that you're doing this podcast is even more amazing because it just helps to create more buzz around this. And, you know, when people start to speak up about things, that's when change really starts to happen. So doing podcasts like these, taking any opportunity that I can or anyone can to shout out about why diversity matters and why creating equality and inclusion matters as well, because that's when we're really going to create change. Because obviously your podcast has a has a big reach to people, right? And, and your LinkedIn and people seeing you post about that. And obviously it's, yeah, it's just really nice to see. Like I've seen a lot of progress these past few years with a lot of allies jumping in. But yeah, I would say there is still much more that needs to be done. So I actually read some statistics the other day about, in order for like companies, what gains their interest is revenue, right, and performance. So I always like to write down how much they can achieve and why it's important because that's when they're going to act on it. So I put so according to like a McKinsey report, companies in the top quartile of executive level gender diversity are twenty five percent more likely to have higher financial returns than their industry peers, and also companies in the top quartile of uh, racial and ethnic diversity are 35% more likely to have financial returns above their respective industry peers. So obviously, the proof is there that diversity increases revenue in the business, it increases performance. 
So there's no reason why companies can't do more to create a more inclusive environment if they want to have a successful business, right? But yeah, I, I've seen now a lot more companies are focusing on diversity initiatives, such as creating more diverse leaderships and hiring more women and minorities, which is really great. And there's also programs that are going around. These are usually from, yeah, I, I see it, but I think there's still more companies that can jump in and help. So I think the more awareness we can create, the more they can see the benefits in this, then the more people are going to start acting on it. So yeah, I, I just think the more we can create more awareness and also explain how they can do it is how we can really create change. Yeah. And that's what, to your point about this podcast, I mean, we dedicate the whole month of March to focus strictly on diversity and inclusion. We don't do our typical CEO interviews. We just do diversity and inclusion. And in July, we do women leaders in payments. And then even later in the year, we do financial inclusion. So to us, those are three topics that we feel the industry needs to elevate and I'm hoping that we're making a little bit of a difference and that, to your point, as people talk about it, things will get better. And this is just one small example. But, I mean, you mentioned there are other organizations that you've been nominated for. And hopefully just everyone working together to bring these topics to the top and to the discussion. And then when you couple that with statistics that prove it, like you just mentioned, two of them, very, very strong and profound statistics that prove the value of, of a diverse leadership. I mean, to me, that just brings it all together. So anyway, just a little commentary from me there, but what specific programs or are there specific programs that you're involved in today that help promote diversity in our industry? So I try and get involved in as many events and groups as possible, uh, but I'll give you a few to name. So I do a lot of women in payments events. So I go to their networking events and there's also women in fintech events that happen in London, which I also attend. I'm also a startup mentor for Virgin Startups. So I do a lot of that for, obviously, I don't charge anything. It's not for profit. And obviously, it's created by the OG of entrepreneurs himself, which is Richard Branson. And I also start, so end of last year, I've also started speaking at big events to promote diversity, such as finance magnets in London. I've actually also been invited to speak at a couple of other big finance events this year, which I can't actually name until it's officially announced. So stay tuned. <laughs> but yeah, I'm always actively looking to get involved in the fintech and payments community as, as much as possible to help underrepresented groups. And I also get a lot of women reach out to me on LinkedIn asking for mentorship, which I always happily do in my free time. But yeah, I just think in order to create change and in order to promote diversity and inclusion and everything else, then we need to start helping and creating a rope ladder for the next generation of women. Yeah, and that means sharing your resources, sharing your time with them when you can and helping them get to that next level. I also, I have a saying, which I always love to say is, I believe you only achieve true success when you're able to help others achieve theirs too. Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. And you also founded an organization called Athena Founder. So can you tell us what that is and the purpose of it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Athena Founders is a community I set up in Portugal because when I initially created it, I was actually struggling to meet other female like-minded entrepreneurs. I was just thinking, where are these entrepreneurs? Where do they hang out? And I couldn't find it. So I created a community to connect them and network with each other. So we have over 2,000 women in our Facebook group. 
And we also have over 400 women in our Telegram group. And they're all the time messaging each other, connecting, networking, and everything else. I usually set up in-person events when I have the time as well to meet with, with them and discuss all things business. I've done a few events already, which have been pretty successful. Last year, we did an International Women's Day one, which was really lovely. We spoke about imposter syndrome. And it was just really nice to get everyone together and for them to meet other women who are, I don't know, startups, but also like connecting different level women because there's ones who are looking to start their business or there's ones like in startup phase. And there's ones who have like scaled their business to seven figures. So it's nice to be able to have that connection with everyone and share knowledge. Okay. Is that organization outside of Portugal or just within the country? It's currently just within the country in, yeah, in Lisbon. Okay. Yeah. So getting towards the end here, and, and this is always one of my favorite questions because I feel like everyone has their own unique life experiences. So they bring a, a unique perspective to this, but what advice would you give other founders or leaders in companies around diversity and inclusion? So I would say my advice for other founders and leaders is to ensure that all members of the team are given equal opportunity to contribute and be heard. I mean, it's super important to create a culture where everyone feels comfortable to be themselves and where everyone feels valued and respected as well. So I would say that's super important. Uh, also encouraging your team to have open communication, like have like an op open door policy. If they have any issues, just be as open as possible so they can come to you about anything. They feel like it's best like your team don't hold anything in and that they just they feel confident and comfortable enough to speak to you about anything about business. And then that's when you can really create a nice working environment for them. Also, I would say provide them with the necessary resources and ensure that everyone is given equal opportunities for advancement and recognition. That's where they can really thrive. And yeah, that's what I'd say. Okay. Any thoughts? So, you know, your company may be unique in that you built it into the company. You built a diverse and inclusive environment or culture in the DNA of the company. But there are a lot of companies out there that maybe started a long time ago, or maybe they started recently, and this just isn't in their culture. Any thoughts on like how to get it into your culture if you didn't already start with it? That's a good question. I would say, I mean, if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't thought about diversity in your company, then I think you may have other issues going on. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say like things that you could do is hire someone externally to help with that. So. For example, you can hire, there's recruitment specialists that actually specialize in diversity and equality, like hiring for diversity in your company. So there's actually people, recruiters that specialize in that. I know a few as well, and they're pretty amazing at what they do. You can also hire, for example, like an advisor to help you or like a diversity and inclusion advisor that can help you guide you in the right direction on the necessary steps that you can take to create a diverse and inclusive environment for the business. Those two are very good steps. Also, create entry-level schemes for ethnic minority backgrounds. People who come from underprivileged backgrounds or ethnic minorities, these schemes really help people to break into the industry and they get the necessary learning that they need. So, yeah, just I would say look at different schemes available. There's lots of companies out there, like charities that companies can partner with that actually promote like these schemes and they can work with them to get graduates or hirees. So there's also that, just trying to think if there's 
I mean, there's I actually the list can pretty much go on forever and ever. But yeah, I would say those are the three main ones. Look at schemes. You can get an outsource, like an outside external advisor on diversity and inclusion. And the last one was, yeah, work with a recruitment company that specializes in diversity and inclusion. Yeah, I do know some out there that actually do specialize in that. So yeah, those are the top three ones, I would say. Yeah, I think that's some great advice. Well, Liz, we've covered a lot of ground on you and the company and obviously the topic of the day, which is diversity and inclusion. Is there anything else you'd like to discuss or leave with our audience? I would just add here again that, you know what, diversity and inclusion is in the results, right? The statistics and studies show that it increases revenue within the business and performance. If companies want a successful business, then having diversity inclusion is the right, like it should be one of your priority steps. As mentioned before, people with more gender diverse executive boards are more 25% more likely to have returns above their industry peers. And then the same goes for ethnic and racial diversity as well, 35% more likely. So look, the proof is in the pudding there. Those studies show that it's in companies' interest to promote diversity within their business if they want to have a successful business that competes and outperforms their peers. So it's, yeah, I would say it's very important and um, it's definitely in people's interest. So it should be ensuring everyone is given equal opportunities, but obviously from company's perspective, I'm just putting it out there like the numbers are there and it's definitely in the interest. Yeah, absolutely. The numbers, numbers definitely prove it. Well, Liz, what would be the best way for people to get in touch with you? So best way, I'm always on LinkedIn. So you guys can connect with me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn's just LaSalle Pratt. Or is it LaSalle.Pratt? No, it's just LaSalle Pratt. So you can guys connect connect with me on there. Or you can find my company, which is Capitalize, connect with me from my website or go on my LinkedIn through there and you can find me. But yeah, LinkedIn or through my website, that's totally fine. And yeah, if you guys have any questions or if you want to reach out, I'm always free and happy to chat. Awesome. Well, Liz, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all your insights on this important topic. And again, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And to all your listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well.